What we've been trying to do over the last uh, couple of weeks is, and we're going to do throughout November, because November's adoption a month. Did you know that? This is actually adoption Sunday, right? Isn't that great? That's awesome. And part of what we want to do during this series is take a look at what it means to be in the family of God from a whole different perspective, and uh, hopefully this will be something that will help kind of catapult each of us to a new place in our relationship with God. Again, it's a great series for you to invite someone as well that maybe is uh, new to faith or maybe just exploring things of faith. Maybe it's a neighbor that you know needs to have faith, and so you're going to bring them with because this is a great opportunity for us to understand uh, this whole relationship with God at an entirely different level. So what we also want to do during this series is tell some adoptive stories. So I'm going to have the Kramers come up. Uh, some of you will recognize Travis and Jenny. And uh, they, uh, Travis has been helping me during the series. He's been able to send me some great information and we've had opportunity to talk about this on several occasions as well as walk with your family through the story that you're going to tell us. So we just want to thank you guys for being here and thank you for being willing as well to share your story. Will you guys welcome the Kramers? Thank you. Good morning. Uh, We're privileged to be here today and share uh, with you a little bit about our adoption journey. Um, A quick disclaimer, uh, we've got some notes here. Uh, The last time I uh, spoke with a microphone um, unscripted was my brother's wedding and it resulted in a toast that went horribly, horribly wrong. Um, Sort of turned into my uh, stand-up comedy audition. Um, so you're welcome for, uh, for the fact we'll be relying on these notes today. Um, so let's jump in, and to do so, um, I need to set some context. So let's flash back to 2003, when Jenny and I began, start, uh, when we began dating. As our relationship grew and we got to know each other's hopes, dreams, and goals, God planted a, a desire in us both for adoption to be a part of our family makeup. Our own selfish goals were that we'd adopt after having biological children, but the Lord had other plans for us. Fast forward to 2011. After five and a half years of marriage, a year plus of unsuccessful attempts to conceive and unsuccessful fertility treatments, it was clear to us that God had other plans to grow our family. I remember the day we found out that our last treatment had not worked. Of course, it was a day, it was our day to volunteer in the church nursery. I held it together for our time with the kids, but broke down as soon as I reached the car. This was the most difficult thing I had ever gone through, and I felt almost shameful to be walking around with this burden that no one ever talks about, yet many women are dealing with. I remember inviting Pastor Doug to our house and crying with him over pizza as he prayed with us. It was a very painful time and Travis and I had to grieve and heal from the heartbreaking reality that conception was not in God's plan for us at that time. But God took the utter brokenness of that story and used it for his good. He took our broken and fragile hearts and gradually healed them, not overnight like we had hoped, but over time, which brought us closer to him and to each other. I had always heard the phrase, a peace that passes all understanding, And I never really understood it until I was given it. I began to feel like God was protecting us from something instead of taking something away from us and started to look at our infertility as a gift rather than a burden. I can promise you that mindset was from him. We felt a clear calling that this was our time to adopt. We spent a lot of time praying, researching, and weighing our options, domestic or international, private, foster care, 
boy or girl, infant, older child, and on and on the decisions went. As we dove into all of those options, we both felt a tugging on our hearts towards Africa and to the Democratic Republic of the Congo, or the DRC in particular. Uh, some facts and figures about DRC that contributed to our decision. The UN calls it the worst place on earth to be a female. There are on average 400,000 rapes reported every year. That's almost 48 per hour, every hour, every single day. And those are just the ones that uh, someone was courageous enough to report. An estimated 5 million orphans in the DRC, which is close to 7% of the population. 20% of, those, of, those, of children won't live to see their fifth birthday. And malaria kills 400 children a day. Our heartstrings were already pulling us towards DRC, and learning those stats sealed the deal. We identified an adoption agency working there, signed a contract, and by early 2012, we were on the list for a child, and the waiting began. We needed to raise a lot of money to be able to adopt, so we were praying for the Lord to provide. We won't bore you with all the gory details of the process, so you'll have to trust us. It was long and at times very painful. We had to apply with an agency to facilitate the adoption, and from there we had to be qualified to adopt through the home study process. This involved a social worker coming to our home, asking us hours worth of uh, invasive questions, um, and then inspecting our home to make sure it was safe for children to live in. To say that we were taken aback at some of the hoops that we were required to go through would be an understatement. Then there were the medical exams, the financial reports, getting fingerprints done over and over again, because those change. And mountains of paperwork that had to be notarized, government certified, notarized again, translated into French, and on and on and on, in order for us to receive the various government approvals we needed to adopt, uh, both from the DRC government and the US government. Certain steps required some rather large, large checks to be cut, and we were completely dependent on God's provision and timing. It was truly an amazing testimony to the Lord's faithfulness how he provided abundantly for us, and in his perfect timing. Friends, family, even people we had never met, but had found our blog online, supported us in our quest to build our family through adoption. In February 2012, we received the phone call that would change our lives in the very romantic parking lot of Chili's. And luckily, we caught it all on video to share with her someday. Our daughter was just over two weeks old when we received her referral. We spent the entire lunch staring at her face in the pictures and trying to unsuccessfully translate her French documents on our phones. I'm sure we didn't eat much of that meal, for it's hard to eat when you're smiling so big. In the weeks and months afterwards, I would show those pictures and the other few we had received to anyone who would look. My students and colleagues used to ask, do you have any new pictures today? We truly felt connected to her even though we were so far away. After we accepted the referral, the most critical steps of the process began. Our case was presented in a DRC court to legalize the adoption there, and we applied for approval from the U.S. government to bring our daughter home. And we and waited. And waited. I'm not sure I can accurately put into words just how challenging this wait was for us. Eleven months of waiting for paperwork to be processed while our little girl was getting older and older in an orphanage. The wait was a hard lesson in patience and forced us regularly to our knees in prayer. 
During this time, I was still teaching, and I remember I'd race to check my computer and phone in between classes, praying for the news that our visas were approved. That date finally came on January 15, 2013. It was an absolute whirlwind, but this is what we had been waiting and praying for for almost a year. We scrambled to find tickets, finish packing, and mentally prepare ourselves to finally meet our daughter. Oh, and this guy wasn't even in the same state when we got the big news, so there was that to take care of as well. We left for Kinshasa less than 48 hours after the second most important phone call of our lives. We'll spare you the details of our transportation adventures there, but let's just say that a lot of praying was done anytime we got into a car. God truly had his hand on us the entire trip. On January 19th, we were taken to the agency's foster home and met our daughter Bailey for the very first time. She was literally crowd-surfed over all the other kids and placed into my arms. I don't have enough words to describe the overwhelming feelings of that day. Months and months of waiting were instantly very distant memories. We were united with our little girl. Finally, no more waiting. We spent the next 10 days holed up in a hotel room in Kinshasa, the capital of DRC, while we waited for our exit paperwork. Although we went a little stir-crazy, being confined to a room as a family gave us a great opportunity to get to know her and for her to get to know us. We were finally given our exit paperwork and made the long trip home a few days before Bailey's first birthday. We spent our first couple months hibernating at home, focused on bonding with Bailey and making it clear that we were hers and she was ours. We were a family. We were there to meet every one of her needs and take care of her. Besides some early health scares, our transition to a family of three has been very smooth. Today, she is a happy and healthy two-and-a-half-year-old, full of life and her own opinions. She loves to dance, play dress-up, read books, and anything that involves music and Dora the Explorer. She exudes pure joy and reminds us as parents to take notice of the little things. But, but adoption is not all rainbows and butterflies. I shared one of my favorite quotes on our blog last year. A child born to another woman calls me mama. The magnitude of that tragedy and the depth of that privilege are not lost on me. While Bailey's history is hers alone to share, it is safe to say that adoption always involves loss amidst the great joy. We wish that there was no such thing as an orphan and that all children could be loved and cared for by their biological parents. There is real tragedy weaved throughout adoption, but we rejoice that there is redemption when all is said and done. People get it wrong when they tell us how much we have done for our little girl. The Lord brought us together as a family, but she is the blessing. We are privileged to be entrusted with her, and it is a great responsibility to love and parent her. What a joy it is for to call ourselves her parents and to have gone on this journey. Thank you. Thanks, you guys, so much. <clears throat> Look who we got coming right here. <clears throat> Can you guys welcome Bailey, too? Can we do that? <clears throat> Hi, Bailey. Is it okay if we pray again? Bailey, is it okay if we pray again the third time? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's pray. Let's pray for this family. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to hear of your incredible provision, Lord, of the way that you redeem, 
Lord, for the way that you care for lives, Lord, all over the world. We thank you for the opportunity to hear the story of Bailey today and Travis and Jenny. And Lord, we thank you that we understand as well that this is a picture of the relationship that we have with you. Lord, I pray that you will help us as a church to have your heart for those that are hurting all over the world. You will give us an opportunity to make a difference. Lord, we pray for your protection on this family. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to do an incredible work in Bailey's life. That it would be very soon that she truly understands what it means to be a child of God as well. And that she would give her heart to you. We love you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Can you thank the Kramers again for sharing their story? Thanks, buddy. A very similar process that Travis and Jenny have described as they adopted Bailey is part of the process of us being adopted into the family God as well. Last week as we began this series, we, we talked about, our main, my main thought last week was that God wants me to know that I am in the family. He wants you to know that you are in the family. When we hear the story of, of uh, adoption, when we hear the story that we just heard today, we're reminded of some of the significant challenges that, it, that, that uh, an adoptive family must go through to legalize the adoption. One of the things that in their story just jumps off the page when I read it as well as heard them sharing the story is the 11-month wait. After you get a picture of the child that you know is going to be yours, some of you have been through this, you understand, you get a picture of this child that you know is going to be yours, then you need to wait for the process to unfold, for this legal process to be completed so that you could invite them and accept them into your home. And I just, I I was with you guys during some of those times where we were praying together. I remember the first time that you showed me that little picture of Bailey and just praying that the Lord would expedite the process Today, here's one of my thoughts. Aren't you glad it doesn't take 11 months to come into the family of God? Thank God he took care of it once and for all. There was a price to pay. The adoptive process to bring us into God's family was a significant process as well. We needed to become legal. We had a huge need and God desired for his family to expand. So he sent his son. In order for us to understand redemption, we have, to, we have to understand what was even in Paul's mind as he was using these types of words. We miss something very important unless we appreciate the first century background of redemption. There's a historical document that was found from 86 AD that records the redemption of a slave that went through three steps. Understanding the need, understanding the price that was paid for this slave's freedom, And then understanding the result of the price that was paid as well. This is exactly the same in our relationships with the Lord. We have a need. There's a price that was paid. And the result is that you and I now have opportunity to be in the family of God. Historically, as I've been studying for this series and trying to understand the Apostle Paul and the cultural understanding of adoption in that day and time when he was writing is significant. Adoption was very much a part of their culture. We're going to talk about that some more as the weeks unfold. But there was a serious understanding of the legal side of adoption when the Apostle Paul was writing these these letters to these churches that he started. Maybe you didn't know this, but Julius Caesar adopted Octavian, who we know as Caesar Augustus. Oftentimes, political leaders would 
even after their death in their will, write down the names of the individuals that they wanted to adopt and bring into their family to carry on their leadership legacy with the same political ideologies that they had led with. And that's what happened here. Octavian, Caesar Augustus, is the one who, who issued the census after Jesus was born uh, that, that his family had to go to Bethlehem for. Then Octavian adopted a son named Tiberius. Tiberius adopted Gaius, and Gaius's uncle Claudius adopted Nero. Do you remember the name Nero? A horribly, uh, horrible leader that persecuted the Christians. Listen to how this one happened. Nero got adopted into the family of uh, into the family after the leader had passed away. After Nero was adopted, four years before Paul wrote his letter to the Romans, the emperor that adopted Nero already had a daughter, and her name was Octavia. No blood relation to Nero. But the adoptive process was so legal that at the moment that those papers were signed, that individual was considered from a legal perspective to be full blood part of the family. Here was the problem. Nero fell in love with his stepsister. So went back to court and had a whole new decree issued that for him and him alone, it was okay for him to marry his adoptive sister. That's how serious they took the legalization of these adoptions. We need to remember, too, that, that we were in a place where we needed to walk through a legal process in order to be adopted into the family of God as well. We need to remember, as it says in Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned, and fallen short of God's glorious standard, all of us. There was a price that needed to be paid in order for us to legally be part of God's family. We all have a sinful nature, and we need to remember that. You know, sometimes, I wondered if, what would it be like today if I was able to just run real quick over to the nursery and grab two of our, of our kids, your kids, and bring them up here and just kind of put them over on the, on the side with minimal toys. You will see sinful nature, won't you? Have you ever wondered where that comes from in your children when you watch them? You're like, what? what just happened? I did not teach them to behave that way. I remember Beth and I were just talking this just last night. Josh, my oldest, was four years old when he decided he was just going to lie about everything. Seriously, it wasn't just lying to get out of trouble. He just lied to lie. And I just couldn't figure out how in the world this could happen. And then I decided it had to be from Beth's family, not from mine, right? But we all know we have a sinful nature, right? This is not just something that you have when you're young. It's something that we still have as we're adults. Boy, every once in a while, there'll be thoughts that go through our minds, and, and you're just like, oh my gosh, what is that? Where did that come from? Have you ever had that happen? Am I the only one that's had? Raise your hand if you've had that happen. Oh, good. Good. Thank you. I feel better. We have a sinful nature that we have to deal with. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, it says the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. We understand this. We felt it. We felt these tensions in this battle. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Have you ever been there before? Where you could feel this battle raging in you. The problem is this, here, understand the legal process. In Romans 6.23, it says this, For the wages of sin is death. Because each of us has fallen short of God's perfect standard, the price that needs to be paid is death. This is bad news. 
But thank God that's not where it ends. The second part of this verse tells us the good part of the story. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can, we can have the legal process completed when we say yes to accepting what he's done for us. Romans 5.8 says that before you and I had even decided, God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. What an incredible God we serve. Jesus freely gave his life as our free gift, paying the debt that you and I owed. My main thought this weekend is this, that I'm legally in the family. You are legally in the family when you embrace what God did through us when he sent his son to pay the price. Understanding this in light of the theology of adoption is critical. Look at Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God, this is the verse we looked at last week, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. I am legally in the family. When we say yes to Jesus, we are legally in the family. And it doesn't take 11 months. This justification is a legal term, a forensic idea conceived in the terms of law. In justification, God provides for us in a significant and an incredible way because we were incredibly guilty, but he paid the price. The price was paid for us at the cost of Calvary. And not only is the price paid, but now we're free. We, we understand our relationship with him differently. Not only are we free, but now we're invited to be in his family and to have a very special relationship with him. Look at that Galatians 4 passage again. Look at the highlighted words so you can see the terminology that Paul used to explain our relationship with God. God sent his son and he adopted us as his very own children because we are his children. No longer a slave, but God's own child. Since you are his child, God has made you his heir. We typically seem to forget how bleak things were before all of this took place and before we understood what Jesus did for us. It's easy to feel like we're okay compared to someone who's a little worse off. But the wages of sin is death. The only way the price can be paid is through Christ's work on the cross. A very real problem. The solution cost us nothing but cost Christ everything. For Jesus, it was an extremely steep price that he paid. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Legalizing our adoption is what sets us free and provides for us this opportunity to be in close relationship with him, united with Jesus. Not far away from God, but now with an opportunity to be close to him. As a matter of fact, in John 8, 36, it says, so if the son sets you free, you are truly free. We can't forget about that freedom. So many times we're haunted by our past and we seem to carry that in a very real way, looking back instead of looking forward. 
feeling like we're not worthy instead of understanding who we are because this legal process has been completed by Christ's work on the cross. There's a bunch of things that we oftentimes think we need to do to be good Christians, to be in good standing with Him. You cannot be in good standing with God on your own. It has nothing to do with what you do. It has everything to do with what He's done. Adoption is a legal procedure that secures a child's identity with a new family. And the problem is that some of us, we think that God chose us and he's just our foster parent instead of our adoptive parent. There's nothing that you're going to do that's going to get you kicked out of the family. That's not the way it works. When he paid the price, he said you're in. And when you're in, now we need to live like we're in. You've been chosen. You don't get kicked out because of your behavior so often we need to remember that there are two yardsticks that the New Testament gives us to help us understand God's love. The first is the cross, and the second is our adoption into the family of God. We don't talk about it enough. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. Charles Wesley wrote this, Oh, shall I the goodness tell, Father, which thou to me hast showed, that I, a child of wrath and hell, I should be called a child of God. In John chapter 20, after Jesus has died on the cross and has risen again, he has this conversation with Mary Magdalene. And I want you to see this today because it's such an important principle for us to remember Because our relationship now with the Heavenly Father looks entirely different. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was talking to Mary Magdalene, he said, now you need to go to my brothers, speaking of the disciples. And he says this to her, when you go to the the disciples, my brothers, this is what you're going to tell them. I am ascending to my Father and, what does it say? Your Father. My God and Do you see? Everything is different now. We have an opportunity to be in relationship with the Heavenly Father just as Jesus was in relationship with the Heavenly Father. Does that seem crazy to you? It does to me. That now he says, I'm going back. I'm going back to my Father, who by the way is your Father. I'm going back to my God, Jesus said, who is also our God. Our relationship with him looks entirely different. We have opportunity to be in relationship with him. Of course you were a mess. Of course I was a mess. Of course you had a past. Some of us more than others. But thank God for his redemptive work. There are going to be challenges today. There will be challenges tomorrow. But we're in the family. We have an opportunity to be in relationship with the creator of the universe. You have been chosen and it brings him great joy to have you in his family. The beauty of our adoptive state is that you can't argue it. You can't finagle your way out of it once you've said yes to him. The sealed documents are done. It's a legalized thing and now you're in the family. To help you understand this just a little bit more, a Plum Creeker sent me a, a video this, this week knowing that we were in this adoption series. And it's an incredible video. It's, it's going to touch your heart. I know it will. And when you watch this video, I want, you to, I want you to look for certain words. 
I want you to see the desperate need that this family identified and felt called to be able to jump into to help. I want you to see the terms like unconditional love, family, and I want you to see what can happen when we embrace and understand even through the images of this adoptive story of this family, what it means for us to come from some pretty broken pasts to experience God choosing us. The dad says that at one point in the video where he's uh, communicating the, the significance of the adoptive story and having been chosen, choosing these children to be part of their family. And then the difference that unconditional love makes in this story but also makes in our story as well. And while we're watching this video, our ushers are gonna come and take our offering. If you're a guest with us, I don't want you to feel obligated to give because that's not what it's about. If you have your, uh, if you have your uh, um, cards, you can drop them in the buckets as well. Will you direct your attentions to the screen and let's watch this video together. My favorite quote of all time was our furnace repair man comes into the house, stops dead in his tracks, and says, this looks like some kind of United Nations meeting. I was born in Bangkok. Bangalore, India. Connecticut. And I was born in Romania. Ethiopia. Which is in Africa. In China. <laughs> Sharon is the gas pedal and I am the brakes. Over and over she'll say, I found this child who needs X and Y and Z and all we'd have to do is fly over the ocean, get funding, connect this dot to here and it'd be done. We're such victims of our culture because our culture tells us your kids have to look perfect and be in all the perfect schools and you can't do that with a big family but if you just concentrate on what's important, the rest will follow. People discouraged us. They thought we were gonna ruin our lives by taking all these special kids and they said, you don't know what to do. And it's true that we had no experience and we didn't really know how to raise them, but you, you see what happens with unconditional love. You give a person unconditional love and they, they blossom. I feel like having these kids has really helped us find our life, find our meaning, find our purpose. It took me decades to figure this out, but there's no physical thing that you can buy that's actually gonna give you true peace and happiness. And the pure joy that will come from a, a rescue and a ransom of a child's life is probably the most satisfying thing you can imagine. We talk about adoption. We tell them they're adopted and we kind of tell them, you know, being born into a family, you don't even decide that. It kind of happens biologically, but when you're adopted, your parents looked out at the whole world and picked you. 
you think that they don't really know the gravity of them being rescued or saved. Then you'll see them in an external setting, like one of them is in front of 300 people last Friday night, and he tells people that he probably wouldn't be alive if he hadn't been adopted by his family. Those are the, like the goosebump moments when you go, he's got it. at the time when I was born, um, when, you were, when you were born with a, a deformity, quote, quote, it, um, it was considered a curse by God. I was um, kind of distanced and not treated right and kind of not really getting any care that a normal baby should, which is why when I was one and a half years old, I weighed nine pounds. It was rough in the, in the first year of my life, but I lived. But no matter where you were before, it's like where you can be now, your past doesn't define that. This family has proven that. It's just like you have a dying boy from Romania or starving kids from Africa, and you bring them to a, a place where they can be, I guess, human to the fullest, and that, that's, that's a generous thing. Family is everything. Family's fun. <laughs> Interesting. His family is just people you can be a fool around and they'll still love you. Awesome. No, should I do the Dennehy face? Family is something that I can count on. Family is adoption. Our ushers are going to come and help us as we conclude our service today with uh, taking, uh, taking uh, communion which I think is an important way for us to be reminded of the legal process that, that Jesus went through to uh, give us an opportunity to be in his family. We uh, practice open communion, which it means that it's not about uh, membership to a church. We don't even do that. If you have a relationship with the Lord, we invite you to take communion with us. While you're doing that, I want you to remember and think about the, the kids' laughters and the smiles there at the end. Uh, it's pretty awesome to see such incredible need, but at the same time to see how in the midst of significant need, <clears throat> there was an opportunity to be part of a family, to experience unconditional love, and to have lives that were changed. I love to hear the laughter of the kids because it's a reminder of how their lives were so changed. 
It's also cool to see that they understand family. And to know that understanding family and experiencing that unconditional love has given them hope and has provided for them an opportunity to experience life in a whole different way. The reality is for each of us, that's true too. And I think the thing that gives our Heavenly Father the most pleasure is to know that we've fully accepted being in His family. Not taking for granted the price that was paid. Not living like we're not in the family. Not pushing away His unconditional love, but allowing His love to forever change us. And being compelled to live different because we're in the family. It gives Him great pleasure. In the passage of Scripture in Corinthians that talks about taking communion, it says this in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight: you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. Today, I want you to do that. I want you to think about how you're doing fully embracing being in the family. I want you to think about how that unconditional love and the legal process that Jesus went through so that you and I could be in the family is done, completely done. We don't need to look back. We can look forward. We don't need to be haunted by our past. We can be free from our past. And we can fully embrace what it means to be in the family of God. Will you bow your heads for just a moment? Perhaps there's someone here that has never heard this kind of message before. You've never, you've never thought about what it means to be in the family of God. You didn't even know that you could be. And maybe when you think about your past, you think about how those verses that, that we shared today are so true that every single one of us have fallen short of God's perfect standard. And today you've heard, maybe for the first time, that this legal process has been completed, that Jesus died on the cross, and now you know that he did that for you. You don't need to look back any longer. You need to look forward embracing the work that Jesus did on the cross and maybe you've never given your heart to him before and asked him to forgive you everybody's heads bowed and eyes are closed and listen if you want to be part of that family all you have to do is accept his incredibly free gift free to us expensive to him body was broken blood was shed and it was broken and shed for you and if you've never accepted that before, I want to give you a chance to do that today with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. If you'd say, you know what, Doug, I need to fully embrace that. I've never done that before. Would you just raise your hand? Say, Doug, that's me, thanks. Anybody else? You can put your hand down. Yep, thank you. Anyone else? We're going to pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for, for all that you did to help us to be in your family. If you raised your hand today and you said you wanted to invite Jesus into your life, just simply pray this prayer. God, I know I need you. I thank you that you died on the cross for me. I know I have fallen short of your perfect standard. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter now because you've paid the price for me and I accept that. And Lord, I accept as well that you died on that cross and that you were raised from the dead and so that now you're alive and I want you to be alive and at work in me. Help me to fully embrace being in your family. Help me not to look back, but to look forward. 
And Lord, for each of us that are here, help us to examine our hearts well. Lord, I pray that there would be laughter deep in our souls. Full embrace of what it means to be in your family. Lord, we know it gives you great pleasure to be in that kind of relationship with us. Lord, let your pleasure be something that we experience and let that change the way we live. Let that change the way we see this life. Help us to live in a way that brings honor to you. Will you take the bread? And the cup. Now will you stand to your feet? We're going to sing this song. I felt like that would be a good way for us to end. And listen, part of the way that we can express joy, just like hearing those kids when the video is laughing and enjoying being in family, is that we can express our worship to Him as we sing. And so we're going to sing this song together. In just a moment, our our, uh, prayer team is going to be up front. Maybe you have something special that you'd like prayer for this week. I mean, we would love to be able to pray with you. Uh, Stephen's going to lead us through this uh, song with Jared's help. And I just want you to sing with us. But let's sing it as a prayer. Can we do that? Understanding God's incredible love for us and fully embracing what it means to be in his family. And then they'll close our service off and, and you can come up front if you'd like some extra prayer. Let's just, some of you know the words. You can just close your eyes if you need to look at the words on the screen. Stephen's going to lead us now. Let's sing this song as kind of an anthem, a prayer from our hearts grateful that we have an opportunity to be in the family of God.